Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, good day, good evening, good afternoon, good morning. Whatever time it is, you're tuning in to Line Drive Radio. It's a beautiful Wednesday here in New York on the longest of islands. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding my board down here for LDR. And as always, it's time to bring on my teammate on this fine Wednesday edition, Mr. Tab Bamford from the great state of Illinois in the great city of Chicago. Tab What's going down in Chi-Town? Uh, usually the quarterback, frequently. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, thankfully, we've got playoff baseball to get us uh, in the hockey season and basketball season. So, we'll, uh, we'll just let the Bears continue to make headlines for apparently abandoning Soldier Field at some point in the not-too-distant future uh, and getting quarterbacks killed. And, uh, and we'll focus on... The White Sox being a playoff team, and then the Blackhawks and Bulls hopefully being entertaining. More entertaining than they've been the last few years. It's been a playoff drought at the United Center. But, uh, yeah, you know, it seems like everything is uh, off the field in Chicago right now, except for the White Sox. So we're excited to have some winter sports kicking off, and we're excited that we will have playoff baseball in the great city of Chicago. We have clinched a playoff spot. Your Yankees are still working on that. But they look pretty good. We'll dig into that uh, today on Line Drive Radio. But it uh, looks like we both could have a rooting interest in uh, in the October sweeps. So Our predictions are very close. Exciting times coming through, baby, coming through. So I got a question with, for you. Um, we'll, with their we'll... rally turtle. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> Whatever it takes, man. I don't care. Reptiles and all, we'll take it. So I got a quick question for you. Um, I can specifically uh speak for the Mets fans they they will not be cheering on the Bronx Bombers uh if they do uh lock in this wild card spot and, and move on to postseason play here in Major League Baseball but will your Cubby fans jump on the White Sox bandwagon I mean how does that go over there in Chicago as far as those two teams oh man you know it's 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 really unique I, I there are Cubs fans who don't like the White Sox, the, the just guttural hatred is more south side of north side than Cubs fans of Sox fans. I think most Cubs fans enjoy playoff baseball mattering. I think that they'll watch the White Sox. They may even openly cheer for the White Sox. Um, but, you know, it's 
maybe it's comparable to Yankees Mets, even though it isn't like 27 world championships in a dumpster fire. It's two teams that have won one each in the last hundred years, pretty much. Um, but I, because the Cubs were owned by the Tribune, they had WGN. They've always been viewed as the big brother. And I think that there's a lot of White Sox fans that hate that the Cubs get top billing no matter what. And a lot of Cubs fans just really don't care and kind of laugh it off when White Sox fans get pissed about the Cubs getting too much attention. So I, for one, I know that a lot of people will say you cannot cheer for both. It is a sin. It is canon. It's one or the other. Uh, I grew up going to games on both sides of town. I enjoy both ballparks, and I will be enjoying watching the White Sox hopefully make a deep run in the postseason. We've talked about it all year. They were my pick to win the American League this year on episode one of Line Drive Radio. Here we are 27 episodes later. They're still my pick to click. Um, but I just the way that they're a fun, young team with players from all over the globe doing their thing and a dinosaur calling the shots, and uh, maybe literally and figuratively. So um, it's it's just it's a fascinating team to watch, and I, it'll be interesting to see how they go. But I don't know that – I think a lot of Cubs fans who are Bears fans will be happy to watch baseball in October and not have to spend all of their time watching their quarterback get killed and worrying about you know whether or not the coach of the Bears should be fired. So I think it, it, it's great for the city. I'm hoping the Sox do well. I'm not throwing any shade at them, but there might be some Cubs fans who don't care and check out and move on to the Blackhawks. That's fine. It's their prerogative. But I think this is a really a thrilling lead into what could be a really exciting postseason. I think if any fans check out when the postseason gets started next week, they're missing out because there's going to be a lot of drama, uh, a lot of intrigue, and you're going to have some of the best players on the planet out there doing their thing. So, uh, hopefully everybody stays with the program uh, because baseball is headed for a really fascinating October and hopefully a successful, exciting October that leads into very quick CBA negotiations that get us back on the field on time in February and early March next year. Yeah, well, hopefully they've, they've already ordered the Dunkin' Donuts for those meetings and they have them ready to go. Some jelly donuts in there, a couple of uh, Boston cream pies, which are my favorites, right next to the apple crumbs, which unfortunately they were out of on the way on my errands the other day. I was a little disappointed. But hey, speaking speaking of Boston cream pies, real quick, this is the did did you hear Pedro last night? No, Pedro I Martinez. Love, I, I love Pedro oh. uh, on on the broadcast. What do you say? Oh, love me some Pedro. MLB Network last night. They're doing their around the horn stuff. And they're shooting around watching games, and they cut into a game, and an umpire—I think it was the Giants-Diamondbacks game—and umpire just awful missed call. And you got uh, Harold Reynolds and Pedro sitting there, and the and the host throws it over to Pedro and says, "What do you think about that?" And Pedro just sits back in his seat and says, "Well, the umpires don't know shit about what they're doing." <laughs> and then there's like a pregnant pause, and then. You just hear Harold Reynolds off screen start. You got the little picture in picture of Pedro with the game on, on the big screen. And he just sits there staring at the camera. 
like I think it came out and then you realize that it came out of his mouth and that they were live and that's not a word that you say if the FCC is paying attention. And then you hear Harold Reynolds just start cracking. He's like, Pedro, 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 buddy. <laughs> and he just kind of like plays through. Like, But, you know, hashtag Team Pedro. I think he's right. I think he'll have robots knowing blank about what they're doing um, oh, in the not-too-distant future. But, yeah, Pedro, Pedro got after it last night. And for that, we respect Pedro for holding nothing back whatsoever. Love it. Love it, hey. man. If you're normal, uh, you know that's that's a rare night that I don't tune in to to see what the boys have to say about the the day's events and uh th- those guys were a blast, man. Uh, all the guys in MLB uh, net, they're they're just that's a great gig, man. I'd love to have that gig. I mean, there's two gigs yeah. that I've always said I would love to have. I'd love to be, I don't know, rhythm guitar player in the Jimmy Buffett band and just travel around and play in my shorts all year long and travel the country Can't and then hang out with him that. on his yacht here in Sag Harbor on the island in the. In the summertime, uh, the other one is to to be on uh, MLB uh, net there with the guys, man. They just have a blast. It's all good stuff. Woo, Pedro, love it. Well, we we got to get into that and some Cowboy Joe a little later on today too, as oh, well. Oh boy, yeah, baby. So look, oh. let's uh let's start with a little um, continue with some off field stuff. Uh, you got something from the Dodgers you wanted to mention? Uh, um, a guy you wanted to talk about real quick, and then um. <laughs> The Mets are rebranding themselves, I hear, Tab. Let's get into that, too. I can't wait for that. Sure, Sure, why not? So we'll we'll start with the Dodgers here. Um, Yesterday, Tuesday, uh, in the year of our Lord, 2021, September 27th, uh, the L.A. Dodgers announced that Jaime Harin will retire after the 2022 season. Uh, If you're not familiar with Jaime's work, Many people associate broadcasts of Dodgers games, I think in the macro in the United States, with the voice of Vin Scully, and rightfully so. He's a magician with words. The man can literally probably read you like itemized tax deductions between at-bats, and you'd be like, that was breathtaking. I've never heard anything <laughs> so spellbinding before. And somehow he ends up like tying back, like writing off his dog babysitter to Greg Maddox's ERA in 1996. Um, but, uh, Scully did the broadcasting on the English language side. Jaime Harin has been doing the Spanish language broadcasts of Dodgers games next year. His final season will be his 64th season calling games for the Dodgers in Espanol, uh, legitimately the goat. There's no question in my mind, the greatest Spanish-language broadcaster. They should have a wing in Cooperstown for Spanish-language broadcasters. Um, Not every team has committed to it yet. Not every team does it well yet. The Dodgers were smart enough to get a good guy in there and Jaime Harin, and he has stuck with them through thick and thin for 64 years next year. And uh, I've been blessed to meet him and spend some time with him. Uh, He is one of the all-time great gentlemen in sports media. I don't care what sport it is. You know, we're hockey guys. We talk about Doc Emmerich and him just sitting down in a diner and shooting the breeze with fans and how he's always got an anecdote and he's always there to talk hockey with people. Jaime is the same way. And the reverence that Dodgers fans have for him and the respect that players of any background have for him is almost unparalleled. So uh, I wanted to take a moment on Line Drive Radio this week to shout out Jaime Harin 
for announcing that his 64th season next year will be his final season. Uh, he is truly an icon in broadcasting in any language, uh, and it, he will leave massive shoes to fill in the broadcast booth at Chavez Ravine in Los Angeles because you do not replace someone like Jaime Harin. You find the next guy and hope that he does half as well. So big line drive radio tip of the cap to Jaime Harin for announcing next year will be the final season of his incredible, remarkable career. Good stuff, man. And, you know, more power to the Dodgers here, giving them some uh, some great stuff to call here, obviously, in the last couple of years in terms of winning the World Series. And and now, um, you know, this just great, you know, this season, you know, with all, all that's gone on and, and, and just the, the games against the Padres here recently, and and uh, they're going to be um, a hell of a team to to go up against here in the National League postseason, which we'll get to a little later on the show here today. But uh, good stuff, man. Love you it. know who you know who won't get there eventually? The Mets. Wow. We got like you and I. We got to play along. The long. show we'll be watching from home. Yeah, bouncy tune here for the the Amazons. Who ain't so amazing, baby? Oh. So the word on the street. And, and uh, if you're tuning in, and the Mets have officially been eliminated uh, from postseason play here in National League Baseball. Um, so they're not going to be in there with all their flash and dash and all the money they've spent. And, Breaking news. And their owner won't be able to tweet any playoff tweets uh, this year. Um, so the story has it that uh, they're going to embark on some rebranding going forward, Tab. Um why don't you explain it to me? I, I'm, I'm going to sit back here as a as a Yankee fan and as a longtime you know New York resident here and living approximately about uh, you know, thirty minutes outside of Flushing, New York, here on the South Shore of Long Island. What 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 do the New York Mets have in mind for everybody? Well, uh, obviously, some level of rebrand is necessary. Uh, Joel Sherman, the esteemed uh, writer in New York pointed out earlier this week that the Mets are making history this year. Not in a good way. And not in a good way. The Mets had spent 103 days in first place during the 2021 season, which will make that now the record for the most days in Major League Baseball history that a team has been in first and finished with a losing record. And you, you don't get a parade for that, do you, Tab? I mean, you do, but it's usually out the door <laughs> with your bag over your shoulder before the wild card games are played. Exit <laughs> interviews and adios. Um, so we've got history here at City Field, uh, you know, filling the bowl and flushing, as we like to say. Um, so today morning, the Wall Street Journal throws this fascinating story out there about the Mets trying to improve their brand and, and find a way to engage a younger audience. Obviously, a, I think which that's... Which is a mistake right out of the gate because the games are on way too damn late for any young people to watch baseball. <laughs> well, and they're on you know way too late for a lot of the demographic that they're actually reaching. I mean, <laughs> start them at 4 o'clock and have the buffet out, see if you can you know 
Second inning jello. That is something that has to be addressed down the road. I know we brought it up a little bit early in the season. Go go with the old country buffet tickets at four o'clock. So, so the Wall Street Journal throws this thing out there, and it was just fascinating. So, according to the story, the Coens have, I'm going to read this right off the Wall Street Journal because it sets the table for this. The Coens have prescribed a marketing overhaul that will include an update to the team's brand design, including customized fonts and marketing materials like photography, signage, and ads, as well as new experiences and features at the stadium meant to give the Mets a more, cu- more cultural credibility. Okay, it gets better. For those of you that but are you listening at home... I- I'm already seeing Lieutenant Drubbin <laughs> in the naked gun. Waving. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. It's it's all a distraction. Yeah. Don't watch what's on the field. Check yeah. out the new fonts. So it, get, it gets better. It gets better, okay? So they sign up this, uh, you know, mercenary group, uh, as I like to call them, uh, marketing geniuses. A, a company called Range Media Partners LLC to do this overhaul of the brand, the experience to find a, a younger audience. Uh, Range Media Partners, coincidentally, uh, minority owned by Steve Cohen's venture oh, capital. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So where's Archie Bunker when it's staying all in the family? Um, <laughs> so, so, and then this article goes on to throw some things out there that you might see at City Field in the future. Apparently in July this year, one of the Mets sponsors is Airbnb, something that the players will be able to start taking advantage of the second the regular season ends. Uh, and one of the unused offices at City Field, they turned into an Airbnb for a night, uh, hosted by Bobby Bonilla, which is smart by the Mets because at least they're getting something from a guy they're paying a million dollars a year still. You know, he's still an employee, so you might as well make him work. Will he show up? Um, Will Bobby show up? That's the question. Oh, Bobby might not, but the guy with the glasses and the mustache might. Um, (laughs) They're talking about, you know, adding more screens, technology, music. Um, One of the things that stuck out. One of the things that that just stuck out to me is uh, they're going to. One of the concepts is to have live comedy during games. Which, of course, I think you and I are like, other than what they're doing on the field, other than the headlines about the front office, uh, oh, you know, I'm sure Lord. Jerry Seinfeld could write a set just based on Steve Cohen's tweets. <laughs> um, so um, so that's all like it's I think a lot of that's just typically like the Mets gong show. But the one thing that I will say that actually makes a lot of sense that they they, they interviewed uh the uh, chief revenue officer for the Mets. And one of the things that he identified that was a massive miss in what they've done historically that they need to do better at, and that they're going to specifically target is the Latino audience in New York city, which is a huge opportunity for them, which again, I made the joke about Bobby Bonilla while they're paying him. They should, Um, you know, if they're going to look at doing a, uh, like a Spanish language podcast and doing collaborations with the fashion industry and music and things like that, um, you know, for part of MLB's uh, Hispanic Heritage Month content rollout. Uh, a couple days ago, they dropped a video of Francisco Lindor in the batting cages with Dave, Jay Balvin, who's a huge, 
uh, star in the Caribbean um, and the U.S. So a lot of a lot of uh, musicians in the Caribbean are big fans with baseball players and friendly, and they hang out and they go to games. So it makes sense. But you know, the joke I made about Bonilla while they're paying him it makes perfect sense for the Mets to be like, we need to collaborate with the fashion industry and be more fashion forward because they just gave $341 million to Francisco Lindor, who's been collaborating with new balance on clothes and shoes and everything else. He's a very fashionable guy. He's got an eye for it. He loves to do it. If he's going to be the face of your team and you're paying him to be the guy, you gave him the richest contract in the history of the game for a middle infielder then you should push your chips in and have him be the face of the franchise, especially when you've done a piss poor job of engaging that audience. So, you know, I, I appreciate that. I, I think, you know, we've talked about the Mets at a pretty good amount of length this year and just the almost weekly gong show that they are. And they're good fodder. We joke about them being good material for comedians during the game on and off the field, but this is an opportunity with a new owner to really dig his heels in and improve what the Mets are about. But it all starts with hiring the right people to run the on-field operation because at the end of the day, you're not going to a shopping mall. You're going to a baseball game at a stadium, and the focus is the game that's in front of you. And the Mets need to be better on the field, and they need to be a team that people feel that they can support off the field. And so as they search for the new president of baseball operations to replace the two guys that they had doing it this year, one guy got fired for being a serial sexual harasser and the other guy got a DUI on the way home from the owner's house. <laughs> Again, where's Jerry Seinfeld when you need to have some material written? They need to find the right guy to lead this thing forward and then they need to make some big decisions this offseason because, and we've made fun of the Pittsburgh Pirates a lot this year. Um, we've given other well, teams that are bad a lot. Some things are deserved, they're, you know, Tab. Yeah, uh, we, we've given bad teams their fair due of crap this year. A rebrand is nice, tweaking the logo, making the fonts better, making sure that you're getting the proper accents on people's names, especially when the owner puts out a press, or Sandy Alderson drops a press release in the middle of the night blasting the guy that you gave up your future center fielder for and doesn't put the accent mark on Javi Baez's last name. Um you have to fix the on-field product if any of this is going to mean crap. And you could say the same thing about the Mets this year that Pedro said about the umpires. And so the proof will be ultimately in the actions that they take. City Field's a gorgeous facility. I think a lot of people should want to go there. More screens is great. But unless, I mean, at this point, what are they going to show, the Giants and the Jets? The only two things in that town worse than the Mets? Um, but, but they got to fix the on field and they got to fix the front office. If any other rebranding is going to mean diddly piss. So good luck to anyone employed by any company that Steve Cohen's got a piece of, because apparently they're going to get retained to fix the Mets and we'll see, but here we go. The winter of, uh, Steve Cohen's discontent is seven days from being upon us, Paul. I, I can't stop shaking my head, folks. You know, as a, as a kid who's grown up here on, on Long Island in New York, and look, um, you know, as a kid, it was 
it was a lot easier to go to Shea Stadium years ago as a kid. And I've got fond memories of, of the team. See, the team, you know, but between 69 and 86, you know, you know I'm going to be 52. So, you know, mid to late 70s, early 80s, you know, like I said, all those, you know, Joel Youngblood, and Dave Kingman, and Felix Montanez, you know, there's just so many great um, Mets guys that I used to, to love as a kid growing up playing ball around here, and, and that's the old style, and it was just, it was it was great going to Shea Stadium. But there's just, you know, and outside of the 86 team, I mean, this this franchise is is, is had its moments. And you can rebrand and change things and everything else. And the bottom, what I'm getting at, and, and for me to not roll on like I usually do is, and listening to you talking about this, and, you know, I'm looking over, you know, folks, Tab's got a com on this on Elite Sports New York. It's like anything else, man, in sports. It's so simple. You just, you have to win. You have to win. I don't, I don't know, you know, as a Yankee fan here, and, and Yankees, it's very simple, right? It's the pinstripes, black and white. It's clean cut. It's just win, baby. And the marketing and everything else is the same. It will never change because that is not important to the New York Yankees. It's about the, the only thing that sparkles is the jewelry that you get at the end of the year. Exactly. That's all it's ever been about. That's it. So, you and know, $17 draft beers. Exactly. Which is worth every <laughs> penny in the ballpark to see the Jacks. So look, and it's, it's not, it's not easy to get to. It's not easy to go see a Yankee game either, especially if you're on the island. It's a pain in the ass. But anyway, what I'm getting at is I just, to me, it's just I smirk here and I laugh. And it's it's a big reason which I've, I've never been able to take the Mets seriously as an organization. And and only till recently, too, another organization, uh, the New York Islanders, and, until recently, this last couple of years, until they've finally gotten new ownership and everything else. And they're they're stripping it down. They, they get it. You just have to win. All this... Mm-hmm. Off the field stuff is just—it's just a joke. It's ridiculous, you know. I mean, you, they've got to fix the—they've got to fix the front office. That's Cohen's number one thing. They've got to just fix that. So, to me, what I'll say here is this is surprising for me, and and I joke about you know nothing to see here and everything. But I think that this is what this really is. This is a big hey. Let's try and get everybody's minds off of the 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 shit show that's been our franchise here this year with the money they spent the season that they've had the talent that's on this team that wasn't able to produce wasn't able to bring anything home for this fan base this year continues to let this fan base down and they're a, they're a diehard fan base the Mets fan you know the talking about the rebranding and and targeting the the Latino audience and the younger audience and stuff that's great because the Mets do have a great base of fans, they're they're dedicated, and they, they come out, especially when they win, like any other fan base, they'll be there, they'll come out. But to me, this is just, it's a little laughable to me, and I think it is. It's distractions, it's just, hey, look at this, what we're doing here, because everything else we're doing is, is pretty much a joke in one of the biggest baseball markets, you know, in the country, biggest cities in the world. And the bottom line is, you know, as a Yankee fan looking at this, we don't deal with this crap. We just get angry at really two things. Them losing and then and then not winning. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's really it. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing. Like, I think about, like, the idea of, like, overhauling your brand and interjecting, like, sideshows. Like, the idea of having comedians. And I'm just like, 
I think back, I think it was like nine or ten years ago, the Chicago Blackhawks carved out a chunk in the stands and had like a band playing during intermissions. And they got crushed for it. And halfway through the season, they were like, yep, you know what, we're going to put the seats back. Thanks, guys. It's been real. There's no 15, 20 minutes off in baseball. It's three outs, switch sides, three outs. Theoretically, you don't have a lot of time to have somebody out there crushing a stand-up set. Yeah. And again, the jokes write themselves at this point, but you're right. And this year we've been almost bipolar in how we've talked about the Yankees. You've been pretty steadfast. They're going to win the whole damn thing. But we've gone from world beaters to Cashman created a broken thing and maybe his time is up. So he did everything right at the deadline and they can't lose again to maybe the bell is told for Cashman again. Maybe Boone's over his head again. And now they're rolling into the playoffs and everything's hunky dory, but you're right. The only people that get blamed for with the Yankees are the GM, the manager and the umpires and occasionally the highest paid players. But with the Mets, it's, It's everything. You've got an owner tweeting about it. You don't have a president because probably both of them will end up in jail by the end of the calendar year. And, you you know, you make these big trades to try and push your chips in, and it fails. you got the best pitcher on the planet, and he's been out for half the season. So this is, I think, an import of of any team in baseball. And in Chicago, you look at what the Cubs are doing, and with them selling off what was left of the World Series championship team, I think there's two guys left, uh, Kyle Hendricks and Wilson Contreras. But you talk about the importance there. You talk about like Baltimore and Detroit with the kids that they've got coming, taking another step. There is not a team in Major League Baseball that has a more important offseason in the narrative of franchise history than the New York Mets. Because Steve Cohen walked in in September last year and wrote out the final month and then inherited a gong show and kind of tried to figure out which jigsaw pieces fit together for a year, there's going to be a new collective bargaining agreement, which is going to lead to an entirely new landscape for negotiating with players. He has now owned the team for a year. He has seen them in first place for 103 days. He has seen them completely fall apart. Now is the time that he brings in a new president, who brings in a GM, and Steve Cohen now, his grace period has come to a close. And now as a fan, he has the opportunity to do what the Ricketts family did when they bought the Cubs. And that is change the script and go chase a ring. And it's up to Steve Cohen to do that, nobody else. Because I think we would agree Sandy Alderson should have been put out to pasture and kept there years ago. Steve Cohen's team now. The excuse was always the Wilpons, that they're broke and clueless. That Neither one of those is true about Steve Cohen. So for me, this offseason is more critical for the Mets than any other team. And to announce a rebrand in the final week of a miserable, pathetically wasted year, you're right. Like It's just throwing a headline out there uh, as the Yankees roll into the playoffs. But I think it's important that they get this thing right because of what, what's at stake. You just gave a ton of money to Francisco Lindor. 
You've got some really important guys that are getting close to the end of their contracts, and you've got some really hard decisions to make, and you don't pay a guy like Lindor at 29 years old to rebuild around him. So, But it, you've got to start way above the on-field product, and fixing everything around it is great, but it doesn't mean a damn thing if you don't fix the on-field product, and that starts with the guys that are making the decision on who gets paid and how much. So uh, I think we... We can, uh, for the final time during the regular season, and we won't have to worry about it in the postseason, we can put the Mets to bed uh, and wish them uh, the best of luck as they try to figure out who and what they will be in the future. I'm sure we'll talk about the Mets in the winter because they've got a lot coming, but uh, but yeah, a rebrand is uh, overhaul. I mean, there's a lot of things that you could say about the Mets needing to change things. And the culture is the first and foremost, because the culture of the organization will permeate that incredible fan base that you talked about. And people will latch on to that brand if the culture of the organization is in a better place. And it has to be in a better place than it's been this year because it has been an absolute gong show. And I think, you know, no disrespect to uh, Luis Rojas, but I think the Mets need a, a, a really, I think they need a good experienced uh, manager back there too some some like some guy who's got some championship pedigree somebody who's been there who's won who commands uh respect up and down the lineup you know you you, you well, think but, ba- but the hard thing Paul is those guys don't grow on trees I, I understand that but it, it that seems to be the only time it kind of works here too in New York as well too look I, that doesn't mean that you know Mike Cubbage wasn't the answer Jeff Torberg wasn't the answer Dallas Green but you know Bobby Valentine, Willie Randolph, you know, even Terry Collins came in here and did a hell of a job. There mm-hmm. needs, I think, you know, the the Mets needs a, an anchor, an experienced anchor back here too. In 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 another way to for to take them seriously, you know. There's been well, a lot of see. Here, here's here's what's interesting about Luis Rojas. He's been in the organization. He's been for years. He's been in baseball his whole life. All right, so his dad is Felipe Alou, who should be in the Hall of Fame. And I think a lot of people don't realize that Rojas has a longer pedigree than his major league resume would necessarily indicate. And I, I've said this a number of times this year, and I say it about just about every sport. I have a hard time faulting a manager for players not doing their jobs or being hurt. And Jacob deGrom was having statistically maybe the best season since Pedro, maybe Maddox, uh, maybe Bob Gibson. I mean, he had the highest strikeout per nine rate of his career. He was throwing the best baseball we have ever seen, if you're under the age of probably 30. Um, And for him to go down a week before the All-Star game and never put the uniform on again, uh, really set them back because it just destroyed their their everything that they did from a pitching perspective. And then Lindor missing six weeks hurt. Uh, other guys not doing their jobs hurt. I If you can bring DeGrom back at 100% and you spend money wisely in the offseason, I don't think Rojas is the wrong guy for the job. And what I said about those guys don't grow on trees – I, 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 you look at the free agent list as far as managers going, obviously there will be guys who get fired, but I don't think Mike Sosha is going to do better than Luis Rojas. And I don't, I don't think 
some of the other guys that are out. Of, I don't think Bruce Bochy's going to New York. I mean, he's living out in Napa right now. Why the hell would he go to New York? You know, so the 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 guys who would the, the pedigree that you're looking for, the Joe Maddens of the world, there just aren't enough of them. And I think that there's a there there with Rojas, but you've got to give him a better team. You've got to give him a functional team, and you have to give him an organization that isn't fractured in every single way around around his desk. He he was fighting an insurmountable uphill climb this season with the injuries and everything else going on. So I, I would give Rojas one more year of run. We'll see if the Mets agree with me or if they agree with you that they need somebody with more pedigree and if they go spend a boatload of money on somebody to take them over the top. But I don't care who was on the bench this year. It, it could have been Joe Torre. I don't think whoa, he was winning whoa, the division. Whoa, hold getting on a, a second there. I don't think Joe Torre's getting a Jacob deGromless Mets into the playoffs this year. <laughs> Torre would have found the way <laughs> Would have had Wade Boggs on horseback by the middle of October. Oh, man. Well, there wouldn't be a lot of BS going on in this team. But you know what? You know, you, you, a guy like Sosha, too, I think that's a problem. Look, Rojas isn't going anywhere because I don't think anybody would come to this organization right now. Number one, exactly. look at what's going on on the field, and especially what's going on in the front office. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that have to come together for the Mets organization here, unfortunately, real quick. So uh, you can rebrand, you can change your logo, your colors, you can do all the stuff that you're saying here in this article, and you're going to change this, change that. The bottom line is a business and as a franchise in terms of winning and all that stuff. That's all the fans care about more than anything. you got to straighten your ship out, man, and get it back on calm waters because uh, the Mets just unfortunately, you know, because to me, this is all, and it's no disrespect to minor league baseball, but that's all minor league stuff, you know, putting things, mm-hmm. distractions in the fans and, you know, a, a T-shirt blimp going around, dropping T-shirts. That's all stuff that you see in, you know, it's amazing because I've seen that here on Long Island with the Islanders because yeah. the, the futility and the losses, they, they become basically a minor league hockey team. And the only way you can get fans in the building to keep your money coming in is you've got to, hey, come on out to, uh, you know, Comedy night, you know, or yeah. the, the, the dollar the, beer night. The, the most popular cover band is going to be playing in between periods or something like that. I mean, right. that's what happens, and that's unfortunate here. But, you know, look, as a Yankee fan, you're asking the wrong guy. But, you know, as, as a guy who's lived in New York and, and watching the Mets as a franchise here for, for years, and I hate to bring it up too, but the Islanders franchise as well, too, until you, you, you can't be taken seriously until you take the business of winning seriously. So, mm-hmm. Prime example here, the New York Islanders are, are getting some respect back here. Look what's happened to them as a franchise. And I think it's notably okay to bring up a hockey team right now uh, in comparison to New York's other baseball team. It's in terms of what the, the Islanders have done here in terms of uh, a new owner that's come in. He's brought in experienced leadership, Lou Lamorello. He's brought an experienced coach in terms of Barry Trotz. They put a darn good team together. They've gotten close the last two years. I think they're only getting started here on the island. They've got a new uh, arena here. So things are lining up. And the Islanders ultimately, even with a new building and all these guys, they still have to win. They know that they have to win. But, man, they're on a better path towards that, and they're they're being taken a lot more seriously. And I'm telling you right now, just looking at the prices of tickets at the new USB arena for the games coming up, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the fans are selling it out. They're buying their tickets. Yep. They're buying into this. And they've got an incredibly uh, dedicated, loyal fan base here on the island. And speaking of this, in terms, they've tapped into the younger generation out here. Um, so the islanders are a, a, a good thing. So if the Mets want to do that, that's great. But they've got to win. 
I know they've got the components here. All kidding aside, there's a lot of talent in this lineup. But, man, Cohen's got to straighten that front office out. He's got to uh, nix all the off-field off stuff. And these, gotta, these guys have to start winning. And it's, it's possible in the division that they're in, too. So, yeah. you know, it, 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 ultimately it's their tab. And to me, like I said, this is all distraction and everything. But the, the Mets have to win. And uh, hopefully there's, um, you know, we'll see what happens with Baez and all these guys and who sticks around going forward. But the bottom line is is they, they need to just win and then everything else. It, it doesn't matter who's, who's doing a comedy show before the game. Yeah. Well, and the last thing I'll say about the Mets, I think that what you're saying about the New York Islanders absolutely holds water, pun intended, because <laughs> they are the, the B team in New York. They're not the Rangers, right? The Rangers play at Madison Square Garden. Yankees play at Yankee Stadium. They have been and forever will be the alphas in that town. It's like we talked about with the Cubs and the White Sox, right? If little brother wants relevance, he's got to win. And with all due respect to Sandy Alderson, who has had a very nice career in professional baseball, he ain't Lou Lamorello. And I think that Steve Cohen needs to delete a bunch of files off of the laptop, if you will. I think mm-hmm. he needs to clean house from stem to stern and bring somebody in. I mean, look, they've got some interesting young people. If DeGrom's healthy, he's the best pitcher in baseball. They've got Lindor, who's a superstar. They've got some interesting guys. It's not like they're coming in here with nothing. They're not an expansion team, right? They need somebody at the top who's hiring the right people and – what you say about the Islanders is right. New owner brings in Lamorello, who brings in Trotz. They've got a team on the ice that's got an identity. That they're grinders. They're, they identify with where they're at in the city. That's the model that the Mets should be looking at. But it's the winning component, and they need somebody to drive that. And I'm not sold that Alderson's the guy. Mm-hmm. And, and Lou Lamorello is one of he's a, a hockey Hall of Famer for a reason, and. He's one of the most respected front office executives in hockey at any level, uh, whether it be internationally, NHL, whatever. Um, and I, he carries a hell of a lot more water than Sandy Alderson does. And the, the Mets need to figure that out. So we're going to put the Mets to bed until after the World Series because that's the next time they'll be relevant. But <laughs> good luck. Yes. To the Met, the Metropol- the fighting Bobby Bonillas uh, as they look to have uh, a season of discontent uh, this winter and try to figure their crap out because they've got a lot of crap to sort out. They sure do. <laughs> and with that said, let's shuffle on over to the American League wildcard race, baby. Woo-hoo! Subtle. Things are going Subtle. good. In the Bronx, baby. And they ain't even in the Bronx. Oh. I'm still coming down from the Bosox series. And I, they're talking about erecting statues of Stanton. I've already started building mine. I joined the clay class, and I'm in <laughs> I'm building a Stanton statue right in front of, right in the front yard. The wife doesn't know it yet. I've already built Should've the base. She goes, what's that, honey? Smaller. I said, don't worry about it. You're gonna love it when it's finished. The guy's unbelievable! Carrying New yep. York City on his back, baby. Woohoo! The, the, the man who was booed out of the building at the start of his time in the pinstripes, who people have said has the worst contract 
in the history of baseball, I'm sorry, it's not. It's Albert Pujols is with the Angels. <laughs> but um, let me look at this thing. Yeah, the as as we talk uh, on Wednesday, the the 29th of September, uh, after a wild weekend that saw your pinstripes sweep the Red Sox out the door. Doing what they gotta do. Here's what we know. The White Sox are going to play the Astros, and that ought to be a hell of a series. Oh, I'm excited so for that. So glad we're Pitching, not playing the Astros or the White Sox. Deep lineups. I think that I think that that'll be a compelling series. Tampa is in. Uh, they are the champions of the East. Uh, if they can have Wander Franco in the lineup, they are fascinating. The wild card, we do not know. We don't know either spot, and this is what makes the American League so compelling right now and so much different than the National League, who we'll touch on a little bit later. We know Tampa's going to get the winner of the wild card game, but who the hell is that going to be? When we spoke, Paul, if we roll back the tape seven days, the Yankees had 10 games left in the season, and I said I feel that the Yankees need to go at least 7-3 and three to get in. They haven't lost since I said that. Yeah, anything You're else wrong. you want to say this week? Because it's been working. You want to say something else for the Yanks, please? Whatever the turtles <laughs> eat, make sure that you stock up. Keep the rally, the they got Keep a freaking rally turtle. Keep the water in the tank turtle. full, baby. <laughs> they got a freaking rally turtle. So here, so here we are, a week later. I thought that Toronto's road to get in was a little bit easier. I thought it would be Boston-Toronto. So here's where we're at right now. Yankees have a two-game cushion on Boston. So the Yankees are currently in the number one wild card spot. And I think you feel pretty good if you're the Yankees right now. Boston is two games back in the second wild card spot. Toronto is not on Boston's heels. The Seattle Mariners are. Seattle, the young upstart Mariners, are now one half game behind Boston for the second wild card spot. And Toronto, who dropped a huge game last night to the Yankees at home, are now a game and a half back of Boston. So how does this thing sort out? The Yankees have won seven straight. They've won eight of their last ten. They haven't allowed more than three runs during their seven-game win streak. The pitching is coming together. Jamison Tyon came back from injury last night. He had to leave early because of possibly another one, which is a problem. Mm-hmm. But they are rolling people, and you're right. Giancarlo Stanton is the king of that city right now. Um, whether you're September, walking like on the sidewalk and – it's a solar eclipse or what, but he and Judge have been just murdering the ball for the last five weeks. I feel like the Yankees are pretty much in at this point. They would have to seriously fall apart. I don't see that happening the way that they're playing. They do have two left with Toronto, which is huge. Toronto needs both, if we're honest. Um, But here's where we're at. Seattle, chasing the Red Sox, uh, has Oakland at home tonight on Wednesday, and they finished the season with three home games against the Angels. The Mariners have won 10 of their last 12. They are as hot as the Yankees right now. They're getting everything's clicking for Seattle. I'd actually be kind of afraid of Seattle right now because everything that I've said about Toronto playing with house money and being too young and naive to know that they're not supposed to be there is totally true about the Mariners. And by the way, They've got young kids coming that aren't there yet that are even better than what they have now. So beware Seattle if you're out west. The Red Sox finished their season series with two Wednesday and Thursday in Baltimore. 
before they go to Washington for three to finish the year. Here's the problem for Boston. They've lost their last four, including last night in Baltimore. And Washington's Juan Soto is doing things that we've never seen before. It's certainly not since Barry Bonds was on whatever he was on. Maybe the best hitter on the planet right now. Uh, Probably should be the National League MVP. And I said this last week, and I'm going to reiterate it again. The Red Sox play at Washington for three games. If Juan Soto gets more than four pitches to hit in those three games, the Red Sox deserve to be watching the playoffs from home. He's the only guy in that team that you should be afraid of. I would free pass him even if the bases are loaded in a tie game, unless it's the bottom of the ninth. He is the most dangerous bat on the planet, bar none. I would not throw him a single pitch to hit. But the Red Sox have to be very worried, and Baltimore is having fun wrecking people's playoff hopes right now. And they've said it. They're like, let's make life hell for these people. And remember, Baltimore's got talent coming too here. they got pitching and bats that are all on the way there. So Baltimore's got something to prove. Cedric Mullins joined the 30-30 club earlier, I think, last week. 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases. I've loved him all year. Um, But the Red Sox need to get over the Orioles and Nationals to get in, and they've got a game in hand. They've got to play five, where Seattle's only got to play four, and Seattle is as hot as the Yankees. So we're not going to know what the deal is with this until probably the final horn sounds. And that's what we love. But, yeah, I mean, Toronto can flip the script completely if they take the next two at the Yankees. Which Toronto can flip the script. But I I don't know how they're going to beat the Yankees if the Yankees got through last night with everything else. With Tyon leaving early with an injury. And it's just the Yankees are finding ways to win right now. And it's and they're, fun to watch. They're getting a little uh, – there's some, um, I don't know, terrestrial experience, the help they're getting too, experience. But uh, – I mean, you look at – look, I've been watching Boston Yankee series for years and stuff, and what happened on Sunday night with the drop balls, Cowboy Joe, I mean, that that has usually been – that's the Yankees who usually lose that game, you know. The, the don't, Red Sox you know, finding don't, – don't, don't tell a Cubs fan that that's how Yankees lose games. We got a black <laughs> cat. We got Bartman. We got – I know, it it doesn't happen. Well, this is the thing. That stuff doesn't usually happen often to the Yankees. They usually don't get that kind of help. You don't don't see that kind of stuff happening. I mean, um, in one inning, or, you know, the bottom one, to see two players on the Yankees miss easy catches, and then the next inning, the Red Sox players, same thing. And then, you know, judges at bat and the the drop uh, ball there by, by, I mean, it's... um, it was just kind of some weird stuff that was going on, and the Yankees come through. I mean, even simple stuff like last night against you know Toronto. I mean, Torres getting hit on the on the relay in. You know, I mean, it's a huge run there. I mean, yeah. so the Yankees are getting some, or the, let's put it this way: they're taking advantage of anything and everything that could happen in a baseball game. Yeah, and 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 then you look at this lineup that Boone's been putting out there. He's been sticking it, you know, with there. And, and you, when you got guys like Lamejo and Rizzo and Gartner and stuff, and even, um, you know, Arshella and Tor- these guys are having graded bats in and around what judge and Stanton are doing. And to see Stanton's huge at bats lining up at crucial points of the game when right. the Yankees are down and forget about the pitching. Because you look at what Toronto did last night, throwing out their ace, 
And that incredible lineup against this Yankee pitching, quote-unquote, and the Yankees find a way to win. They come out of Boston uh, against their guys and their aces, and they come out of that game last night, and they find a way, even in a, in a, in a tense... Uh, you could feel it there in those first few innings with the, with the Blue Jays. It was a different... It was weird. Coming out of the series, it was just something, as a Yankee fan, just beating Boston three straight is just amazing. And the grand fashion that they did it the way Stanton just crushed them with those, especially Saturday night and Sunday night with those two huge... The timing of those home runs were just incredible. But last oh, he's night... Rewriting, he's rewriting the script of his career with the Yankees in the last four weeks. Yeah, it's, no it's fantastic. But, you know, I kind of brought this up when we were talking previously. No matter what the pitching does, this lineup... This arsenal has to come through. And they can get there if they come through. This has been the problem. Now, it's still regular season. This lineup in the postseason, uh, obviously different components of it too, but the same kind of thing, the the big bats and everything else, um, has let them down in the playoffs, (coughs) even though the Astros (coughs) cheated. Um, But this lineup right now has the opportunity to help this team get through its pitching problems. But, but but that's, that's that, I think that's why it. it's so important to note that in the seven game win streak they haven't allowed more than three runs. The pitching has held up its end of the bargain, which I think was the question mark that a lot of people had when they were seemingly falling apart at the seams and Boston was starting to pull out a little bit. Was will the pitching around Garrett Cole hold up? And it has. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, there's something interesting here. You talk about stuff that you, you're not used to seeing, and the Yankees-Red Sox series, both teams, and the Yankees were able to sweep the series, but both teams looked like they were feeling the pressure of the moment. You got drop balls, you got guys looking around on the bases, and you, during the Jeter days with the Yankees for 20-something years, you, you because of Jeets, you, you very rarely saw the moment be even acknowledged by the players. I mean, I think the first time Jeter acknowledged how special a moment was, was his final at bat at Yankee Stadium, walking it off. Mm-hmm. No moment was ever bigger than Derek Jeter. He was comfortable in any situation. And I think right now what you're seeing with Toronto and Boston and the Yankees is those three teams have been staring at each other for a month and a half. The Rays kind of pulled clear, and those three teams, we've we've been talking about it here on the show since the All-Star game, that those three teams, they know each other, they don't necessarily like each other, they play each other a lot, they're playing each other down the stretch, the most important two weeks of the season, they're looking each other in the eye, and I think you're seeing some of these guys feel the moment and how they respond. Giancarlo Stan, obviously, for the first time as a Yankee, is responding in a way that made him an MVP with the Marlins, but you're seeing stuff go wrong. Guys clench a little bit that you don't ordinarily see. And that is why I feel like the sleeper in this whole scenario is Seattle. You go to ESPN.com, you go to Bleacher Report, you go to CBS, you go to Yahoo, whatever website you go to for your baseball information to check stats, to see headlines. When was the last time anybody said anything about the Seattle Mariners? Like I, I had to refresh the standings a couple times on Baseball Reference and ESPN and three other places to confirm 
But the Seattle Mariners are a half game behind Boston right now for the second wild card. No one is talking about them. And I feel like, again, they're young. They don't know that they're not supposed to be there. They're 44 and 33 at home. They're seven games over 500 on the road. For a team that wasn't supposed to be there, that started the year with a lot of the same riffraff BS with their front office that the Mets have dealt with this year, with the president getting fired because he admitted that they were manipulating service time with one of their top prospects, to be 18 games over 500 is really amazing. And they're only four and a half back at Houston. And they're not going to catch Houston, but the fact that they're that close and they've sprinted past Oakland in that division is really impressive for a really young team. And they've got deep pockets. Jerry DePoto likes to spend. So I think that they're going to be a fun one to watch in the offseason. But I feel like Seattle is benefiting from the Yankees and Red Sox and Blue Jays playing each other, watching each other. And the only... ESPN and Fox are putting a game on every single night for the last week. Have you seen Seattle on national TV? No. So 17 wins I, I feel in like the, the Mariners no are just happily sitting off, like outside of the halo of this spotlight that's stuck on the American League East and just creeping up in the rearview mirror, and nobody's going to pay attention to them until – they slip past Boston and end up playing at Yankee Stadium next week. Just look what they've done to Oakland. They swept just, them just in their house, and then they've, they've just won two against them at home. I mean, 17 wins in September is no joke. I guess my question, so I'm going to look at this as a Yankee fan. Let's say for argument's sake they play. You know, who's pitching for the Seattle Mariners? You know, as far as, you know, I mean, are you are you talking about them just having the the, the fun part of maybe – you know, they're having a great September here. But are they a team that can match up against... Let's say they get through the wild card game or whatever. Can they get through Tampa's lineup? Can they get through Chicago's lineup? Can they get through, you know, Houston's lineup? For argument's sake, if they were to play... Well, the, the, in, the, in the crazy series. thing in all of this is that you look at the Yankees, and if you've got Garrett Cole in the mound in that lineup, you, I think everyone is would bet their next paycheck on the Yankees getting out of the wild card. But the best pitcher probably on Seattle's staff is a guy you've never heard of, Chris Flexen, who has started 15, started 30 games. Half of them have been quality starts. He's 14 and six. Uh, not a strikeout guy, but he's been really, really good this year. Uh, Kikuchi has 163 strikeouts to lead the team. He's under 500. He's 7-9. and nine. Marco Gonzalez is 10-5. Logan Gilbert's their top pitching prospect. He's 6-5. and five. If I were them, I would really, you know, go full Eli Manning with both middle fingers and throw Justice Sheffield out there against the Yankees, uh, former Yankee farmhand, and let that kid go pitch with a chip on his shoulder. Um, but no, I, this is, but this is the other thing, Paul, that we have to keep in mind. All four of these teams, if we include Toronto in this conversation, so Yankees, Boston, Seattle, Toronto, the fight's going to go to the last day of the regular season. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about who are they going to pitch, the only team, I think, with a two-game lead, I think the Yankees are in a position where they can start looking at maybe manipulating some things, maybe limit Garrett Cole to four or five innings in his next start or have him on a pitch count and have him ready for the wild card game. 
but everybody else has got to go full bore until the final whistle. So who's going to pitch the next guy who's available? Because if they need their ace, if they need Flexen to go in game 162, he'll have to. Mm-hmm. So that that's what that's what makes this this two team wild card scenario so oh, I love it exciting and it builds the drama because you can say you know we could sit here and say we've been saying it for weeks there are TV executives that if you tell them you're going to get Chris Sale and Garrett Cole and the Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees in a wild card game they're going to go buy a pack of cigarettes and make sure that the cold water works in the shower right <laughs> because that's that's heaven for TV executives. But how Chris Sale might have to pitch game 162 to get him there. And that's, I think, where the draw, the fact that we've got four teams this close is awesome. It's beautiful for the game. The fact that three of the big markets on the East Coast are in it is great. I just, I, I look at the way that they're making little mistakes and clenching a little bit. Everybody except Giancarlo Stanton. Um, and you're starting to see the pressure weigh on these guys a little bit. I feel like Seattle's just out there happily being ignored, playing with house money, and they're going to sneak in the back door and make this thing interesting. And you get into a one-game scenario, anything, absolutely anything can happen. And that's the fun of the wild card. Can they beat them? On paper, hell no. But in reality, absolutely. There's a reason they've won eight of their last ten. Because they're, they're doing what the Yankees are doing. They're manufacturing runs. They're making it happen. They're making it work. And they are now, I think, one of the really scary teams to be looking at here down the stretch. But they've gone out and they've collected other teams' top prospects that they gave up on. Mm-hmm. J.P. Crawford, Philly gave up on him. Here he is with 37 doubles this year. Jared Kelnick didn't work earlier this year, came back up. He's looked pretty good. He's all of a sudden got 14 home runs. And you got some old guys who have been there through the crap and Hanniger and Seeger who are doing their thing. Seeger's in the final year of his contract. He's got 35 and 100 after having a long run of being hurt. So, I mean, this Seattle team is just I, – I felt like we really needed to spend a little bit of time throwing some flowers at Seattle because they weren't supposed to be there yet. They're, no, they're, for, me, for me, they are what last year's White Sox were. High hopes, but if we get close, cool, because we got all these other kids coming still. And now they're on the cusp. And that's really exciting for baseball because I think having multiple teams on both coasts be interesting is a good thing. And the fact that the Padres fell apart the way that they did, and uh, you know, we're going to dig in on the National League here after the break, but you know, Dodgers, Giants, we've been talking about all year. Everybody talks about them. If Houston's the only team of relevance west of the Mississippi in the American League, that's problematic for the game. Mm-hmm. And I think Seattle sneaking in the back door with what they've got coming sets up for them to be a really exciting team for the first time since a baby A-Rod and Griffey and Edgar were out there doing their thing together with Randy Johnson throwing liquid gas. So, And, that, and that's, that's how you rebrand an organization. You know, they, mm-hmm. if they get to wild card spot Seattle here, just going forward, I mean, that's just the whole boom. Your fan base is in. You're 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 in the mix here, and and you know you get in the dance and, and you get a chance. And man, if they get the exposure, let's say if it works out of playing the Yankees on a national stage here, 
uh, that'll be just huge. Look, I mean, I think, uh, look, every game, obviously, this last two weeks is huge. But if you look at tonight, if the Yankees are able to to beat Toronto tonight, right, that probably, you know, then their magic number gets down. You know, one, one whatever it is, the, the last games here uh, to play for the Yanks. If the Yankees uh, win two out of three against Toronto, best case for Toronto is the second wild card. And I don't know if that's going to happen with the way bought. I, again, with Seattle being a full game clear of Toronto, Toronto loses tonight and Seattle gets another win. I don't know if Toronto can jump Seattle. Boston's falling apart at the seams. Well, that's the thing. I, 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 you know, especially them losing last night to Baltimore, only getting two runs, losing that game. They've lost four straight. I think that that Sunday night game more than anything just kind of knocked their sails out, man. That was just, I mean, if you're on the other side of that game, you're just like, I, I don't, I don't, how do you come back from that? So I think mentally right. they're kind of, um, and I don't know. I mean, with all that was on the line for the Yankees here, and then Boston had a chance to basically knock the Yankees out and bury them, and they didn't. And I don't know if they have the ability to, to, to kind of you know find a way to swing back here. I don't. I don't think Boston makes it. And if Seattle obviously beats Oakland tonight, that pretty much puts Oakland out of it. And Seattle now is a real deal. So I think a Yankee win tonight and a Mariners win tonight changes the whole landscape. And and that's just physically and Captain Obvious stuff in terms of the standings here. And then you talk about pressure. You talk about you know, the Bo Sox and the pressure and the Yankees and all that other stuff. Number one, if Boston kind of fades out of this thing, the Yankees are just going to gain a little more, you know, gravitas here, and it's it's kind of it's kind of happening for them. And, again, getting through this with their pitching rotation as it is and with the guys and this lineup that, that Boone's kind of been going with every night here, these guys are getting into a groove right now, too, mm-hmm. which is great. Um because when you're when you're getting your best thrown at your lineup and your lineup is producing for you, it's just huge. And and like I said, when we talk about it, and this goes back to Seattle. I know I brought up like who they're gonna pitch. It's the same thing with the Yankees. You gotta get in the dance. You gotta get in that game. And then who yep. cares? Just get in the game and and the rest. And that's it's awesome. I personally, as a Yankee fan, like I said, you know, as a baseball fan too. And now just looking back because I didn't really pay attention to it. Looking at the the month that Seattle just had, that's pretty damn. Incredibly impressive, man. And I think at the end of the and day, no one is talk. No one's talking about the Mariners. Yeah, that's it's crazy, man. That's crazy. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Uh, a guy who's you know, a guy who peruses highlights mostly during the weeks to kind of catch up on things. Um, I wasn't caught up on what Seattle did this this past month, which is shame on me too. Especially because I think they're definitely responsible of where the Oakland A's are right now in terms of how they're playing mm-hmm. against them. Yeah, I mean the the real pressure tonight is if if Seattle wins tonight late night, uh, the crap and coal into a diamond is going to be the Red Sox playing tomorrow night yeah. on Thursday. Yeah. With Seattle off, if they can if, if they win and the Red Sox lose tonight, and Seattle jumps them and they're half game in hand, they got to play with Seattle at home watching on TV. The way that they've been playing. You know, it's all the pressure in the world is on, I think, the Red Sox right now. Again, Toronto, relatively young team. Seattle, young, up and coming. You know, Boston's an older team. The expectations have been there. They've been, they were in first for a while. They've been the leaders in this wild card race until the last week or so. So I think of all of the four teams, the most pressure is on Boston, and they are folding under the bright lights right now. Which is absolutely mind-boggling wonderful. to watch as a Yankee fan. It's wonderful as a Yankee fan. I mean, it's 
Or it's like it's we, Christmas, I, I like to say, September. wandiful. Wandiful. Yes. <laughs> Dude, man, my, look, you, 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 I mean, you, like I said, we talk every week. I mean, except for Friday night because I had a gig on Friday night. I didn't get to watch the game, but I watched Saturday night's game and I watched Sunday night's game and I got to watch last night's game. And I'm telling you, man, it's just, it's fun, man. It's fun. But but think about the ebbs and flows with your Yankees this year. There were yeah, times that they couldn't do anything right, and then they're unbeatable. They lose that dramatic game in the cornfield, and then they don't lose for what felt like a month. And then they can't get out of their own way. And now they're right back in a hot streak. And what's been fun about watching the Yankees and Seattle play, and we're going to talk about another team that doesn't look like they're ever going to lose again when we flip over to the National League is it's not just bludgeoning people. It is manufacturing runs. It is small ball. A lot of it's the way the White Sox and Astros and Rays have been playing all year to run out to their division leads. It And, you know, John Carlos Stanton said after the game last night, he had a, an epiphany that he doesn't have to hit a grand slam with every swing. And frankly, when you're that big, if you make contact at all, it's probably going 415. But, uh, but no, it, it, this is what we signed up for as baseball fans. This is why we spend time talking on LDR every week. This is this is it. You got a you got five or six, you know, four or five games left. You got a week left. All the chips are on the table. Who's going to fold and who's going to wink and who's going to budge and who's going to streak in and who's going to take all the chips home? And you got four teams with a fighter's chance right now, and that's what we sign up for. That's why we're excited. So. Last week I said Boston, Toronto. I'm going to say both of them miss now. Seven days later, <laughs> it's all right with me, buddy. As long as the Yankees aren't in that sentence, I'm good with that, man. It's all good stuff. All right, we are going to take a short break for sponsors, as we always do here on Long Drive Radio, on the Revolver Podcast Network, American League. Another good, exciting couple of days coming up. But the National League is pretty much panned out. We're going to talk about that on the other side right here on Lawn Drive Radio. We'll be right back. All right, we're back here on Lawn Drive Radio. Hey, you know, Tab, I completely forgot. Uh, before we move on to the National League here, I... I we got to bring up the, the big announcement there because it was a huge part of that game Sunday night. That's Cowboy Joe retiring after the season. He's a little shaken about what happened on Sunday night in, 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 Bean, in, in Beantown. So, I mean, we brought him up here on the show. You've talked about him extensively. We, we got we to gotta say a little goodbye to Cowboy Joe. Bye. <laughs> See ya. See ya, baby. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. All um, right. No, I, you know, Joe West has become a cultural phenomenon. Um, he has been doing it for a long time. He should not have been doing it as long as he has been. Uh, he's become almost a caricature uh, and kind of the face of everything that people hold wrong with the current state of umpiring in Major League Baseball. Um, it will be the end of an era. Um, but you know, ding dong, the witch is gone. Uh, see you later. Uh, wish, wish him the best in retirement and glad that he's headed there. All right. Farewell. Cowboy Joe. 
Um, we, we'll probably see him in the postseason, though, right? That could be a little dangerous. Oh, I, I, I hope not, but you know they'll probably give him the plate for Game 7 of the World Series. <laughs> oh, things to look forward to. Things to look And they'll be to. playing superstition every time they cut to a commercial break because TV Wonder is calling balls and strikes, but here we are. Woo! All right, baby. National League. It's all set. And how about them St. Louis 17-game winning streak Cardinals? Holy well, shnikes, baby. So I, I grabbed this fun fact uh, earlier. So for those just tuning in who may have missed it, the Cardinals haven't lost in about three weeks. 17-game um, win streak for the St. Louis Cardinals. Last night they clinched the second wild card in the National League. On August 8th, the Cardinals had a 1.3% chance of making the playoffs, according to fan graphs. Not 13, not 31, not 86, 1.3. That is literally like the you're in you're six feet under and they're getting ready to throw the dirt on. That's the Pirates and, every year. Basically, yeah. But here they here they are, 17 in a row. Um they will get the winner of the National League West, which became a little bit more interesting in the last couple days because Brandon Belt was hit on the hand and broke his hand. And it, it, late, early this morning, late last night, it was reported that he's going to be out for four weeks, which absolutely sucks for him because uh, – a couple weeks ago, his grandmother passed, and he dedicated the rest of the season to her. And he's been hitting the cover off the ball ever since then. Uh, he's one of the he, one of the big bats in the in the Giants lineup. He's a phenomenal defensive first baseman. He is a massive void for the Giants to try and overcome. And here we sit on Wednesday. The Giants have a two game lead on the Dodgers in the West. So even though we know for the most part who's going to be in. Uh, we've still got two division races that are not officially put to bed. And the closest is the Dodgers and the Giants. The Dodgers uh, bring Bellinger off the injured list, but they've still got guys that are banged up. They're still trying to put it together. They're still chasing two games. Belt goes down. He's out four weeks, which presumably is World Series at best. He's probably done for the year. Again, that really sucks because he's one of the guys that's been out there for so long. He's been a big part of them being dominant this year. It's really hard to see a guy that's put that much into it who's headed into a free agency year. It's really hard to see Brandon Belt go down like that, and it opens the door a little bit here for the Dodgers to make it interesting with that two-game gap down the stretch. So one of the Giants or Dodgers will get the Cardinals in the wild-card game in the National League. Which is awesome. And we didn't even have the Cardinals on the board like three weeks, three, four weeks ago. No. But like the, like, you know, like I said about the Yankees, I said the Yankees need to win seven out of 10 last week and they haven't lost since. Could have said that about the Cardinals three weeks ago and they haven't lost since. 17 straight. One of the longest winning streaks this late in the season that we've ever seen. What is the longest? Do you know? Uh, To close out a season, I think I heard on the radio it was 20 to finish a regular season. Um, but I mean, it's and again, it's small ball. Like Tyler O'Neill's having a great season; he's hitting the snout of the ball. But a lot of it's just manufacturing runs. Again, small ball is back. 
uh, where we've been obsessed with the home runs and the true outcomes, small ball is, is making a really strong comeback right now. And the Cardinals are getting it done. You know, it's interesting. I was listening to the MLB Sirius XM station yesterday, and I did not catch who the two guys were that were talking, unfortunately. But one of them brought up a very interesting point, and that is the National League wildcard game will be played per television contractual reasons at 8 p.m. Eastern, which I hate. Because if kids have school the next day who's staying up that late, you know, watch a game get done at midnight practically. Um, but that's 5 o'clock. That's nothing new, Tab. You know that. You, true. But but uh, but if you're in San Francisco or L.A., you'll be in California for that game. Mm-hmm. That's 5 o'clock out there. Mm-hmm. And what happens at 5 o'clock? The shadows are long. The sight lines are ugly. Yep. And the great equalizer in that game i think everybody says that the dodgers on paper are the best of those three cardinals giants dodgers giants have been so good all year uh you look at the run differentials over 157 games at this point the cardinals are plus 38 the giants are plus 99 dodgers are plus 248 so you look at the run differentials, you look at what they've done all year, and you would say the Cardinals are the weakest link in those three. Okay. They've won 17 straight. San Francisco's won eight of their last ten. Dodgers have won seven of their last ten. Giants four straight. Dodgers two straight. So it's not like anybody's limping into this thing, right? Mm-hmm. The equalizer here could be if you've got Adam Wainwright at 40-plus on the bump for the St. Louis Cardinals throwing that is – I think Twitter handles Uncle Charlie. He's got that big 12 to 6 curveball. If he's throwing that well with shadows everywhere, he could be borderline untouchable. And again, that team's playing with enough swagger right now that I don't know that anybody should want to play them. Now, obviously, Max Scherzer being on the other side doesn't do anything to help the Cardinals if that's who he ends up getting. But, I mean, that the Cardinals have been so good now, again, 17 straight wins that it's – you can say that on paper the other two are better, but at the end of the day, who's playing hot right now? And it's the Cardinals. So the wild card sets up great. It'll be fun to see who comes out of the West and who ultimately St. Louis has to go visit. And who are these guys in St. Louis? you got Edmund at second, Goldschmidt at first, O'Neill in left field, Arenado at third base, obviously we know Carlson. Bader in center field, DeJong at shortstop, Neiser at center, and um, Wainwright uh, was pitching last night, too. I mean, who who are these guys? Well, DeJong, who has great power but has terrible swing and miss, uh, actually lost the, the shortstop job to young Edmundo Sosa, who's been great, but he got hit on the hand, and I, I haven't seen it there's any kind of a full-blown prognosis on whether or not he broke something yet. But, um, but I mean, the Young's hitting his batting average is somewhere around my body weight as a senior in high school. He's chasing the Mendoza line right now. So, um, so but again, 19 home runs, when you've only got 68 hits, it means if you touch it, it's going to go a waste. Edmund, little gritty second baseman, third baseman who – just makes a lot of contact. Goldschmidt, obviously, one of the better first basemen in baseball. Arenado, the gold standard at third for years. They bring him in this year, 34-105. They're getting what they paid for. 
Uh, you know, he's over 70 extra base hits. He's been as good as advertised. And then Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson and Harrison Bader, their outfield's young. A lot of people thought the Cardinals would do what the Braves did at the deadline and go get a totally new outfield. And here we sit with Tyler O'Neill having 32 home runs and 77 runs batted in. Dylan Carlson's got 16 and 60. And Bader's got 15 and 49. And these are, again, this is the Cardinals. They are homegrown for the most part. Obviously, Goldschmidt, Arenado, not, but... You've still got Yadier Molina doing his thing behind the plate, but a lot, so many of these guys are young, homegrown, and we we made fun of them earlier this year. We're like, look, Adolis Garcia in Texas might be the American League Rookie of the Year, and they gave up on him too close, too early. Another guy who might be the American League Rookie of the Year this year who was a phenom in the postseason last year, Randy Rosarena. Cardinals gave up on him too early. Why? Because they had Carlson and O'Neill coming with them, and you can only play three at a time. And Carlson's got a 337 on base. O'Neill's got a 349 on base. O'Neill's a 5.7 war player this year. It's again, the Cardinals just keep producing guys and putting them out there, and they do the thing. And they went old with the pitching. We've made jokes about get your ARP cards out if you want to go to the game and watch them. But John Lester has been a solidifying force in there. Wainwright's had an incredible season at 40. Um, and so they've got young guys in the outfield. The Goldschmidt Arenado corners have done their thing. More than 200 runs batted in, 65 home runs combined as we talk. Uh, Arenado's closing on 300 total bases. Goldschmidt's already there. Their lineup is getting it done. They're creating runs. They've got guys like Lars Newtbar making an impact. Edmundo Sosa making an impact. It's just top to bottom doesn't matter who they put out there. It's like your Yankees right now, but they've been doing it for 10 extra games. doesn't matter who you put out there. They're getting it done. And, again, you, don't, you just you don't know if they're going to lose again. Ever. Of I mean, course, Scherzer in a one game is a game changer. Bueller in a one game is a game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you know, damn, if they're not – going to just roll their way to something special again. I mean, the last time they won the World Series, they were a wild card. So, at this point, in the National League, anything that we had said before, like, 20 minutes ago, crumple it up and throw it out because it doesn't mean a dang thing. Giants were going to win the West. They are going to run away with it. Now, belt's out for four weeks. The Dodgers can't stay healthy. They're bringing guys back. Bellinger's completely fallen off. But they're still two games back. And St. Louis was dead and buried on the 8th of August with a 1% chance of the playoffs, and here they are clinched with a week left. The only thing that's not settled in the National League is the National League East, the dumpster fire that is. Go figure. The the the, Amer- the National League least, as we say. Um, Atlanta, it feels pretty settled after last night, though, because Philly is in Atlanta for three games. They were down two and a half when the series started. Last night they go in there. They got Zach Wheeler on the bump. They got their horse going against Charlie Horton. They lose two to one. They didn't get anything on the board until the ninth inning when Will Smith struggled to find the strike zone and Eddie Rosario had a really ugly air misplay in left field to open the door. But, uh, but Atlanta now three and a half clear. They got two games left against Philadelphia and then they both finish up against bottom feeders. It, 
if Atlanta gets in with that overhauled lineup and they get Milwaukee, and Milwaukee, your fighting Brewers have won four of their last ten, um, that Atlanta-Milwaukee series could be very compelling, especially with Freddie Freeman in a walk here. The Brewers are not looking very compelling. I want to say that. They're limping to the finish line here. Yeah, they're, I mean, and I just, they, they're, they've take, but they're also taking advantage of having built a lead that even after winning 17 straight, the Cardinals are still six back. So that ain't happening. But, <laughs> but the cards, I mean, just looking at the cards September. I mean, we're talking about Seattle September, and I'm just looking at what the cards done and who they beat and how they matched up. I mean, they took seven of eight against Milwaukee, uh, you know, even winning last night, and they've got uh, two more left of them here. Um, you know, they split with the Dodgers, pretty much knocked, you know, knock Cincinnati and San Diego around and the rebranded New York Mets, future rebranded Mets too. Um, they had a hell of a month, man. It's unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, I just think in, talk, in terms of talking about, you know, I mean, look, it's a long season. So you take the Brewers where they're at right now. I think just sometimes, I mean, and this is all going to play out. How teams that are in the mix are finishing out their seasons here under the pressure, the stuff that you brought up in the beginning of the show in terms of how these teams play under the pressure, taking taking advantage of things that happen in the game and just basically getting back into, you know, um, just producing runs. You talk about the Cardinals and small ball, something that me and you love to, to watch here. And um, Nice job working that David Bowie reference in, by the way. <laughs> now, you know, we're, we're a music show here too. You know. Absolutely. But um, no, it's, Milwaukee, it, it, just know, getting I, back I, to the Brewers here, I mean, they got to be a I mean – you got to be a little concerned in Milwaukee, too. Yeah, you do, because we talked about this a little bit last week. The issue that I think Milwaukee and the White Sox have is they ran out to a big lead, and they started just kind of counting their chips a little bit, a little early. And obviously there's the whole idea that you can flip the switch, and when the lights get bright, everybody's going to put their big boy pants on and play the game. But the White Sox and Brewers have – really loaded up the innings on their big on their big arms. And I think when you look at how the big three in Milwaukee have pitched down the stretch, there's got to be a little bit of concern that, you know, if they want to win it all, you got to get three or four more starts out of each one of these guys at the end of the year. And... Woodruff and Burns and Peralta have been so good pretty much all year that you look at them from a pitching perspective and you say, okay, I think we're good. We'll be fine. Well, Woodruff's got a 409 ERA in September in four games. In five games, Peralta's got a 470 ERA. Burns, 242. Eric Lauer has been the guy who's really kind of carried them. He's got three quality starts and five outings, 32 strikeouts and 31 and a third, and he's got a 115 ERA. And he's really their number four, if we're honest here. But Woodruff is 0-3 in September, and Peralta's 1-2. So you start wondering a little bit. Devin Williams, last year's Rookie of the Year, has thrown four and two-thirds in the month of September, and he's got an ERA closing on eight. You know, Brent Suter has been probably their best, you know, assassin out of the out of the bullpen here. 
So you just you look at their pitching staff, and I think that there's definitely an element of, you know, you you don't worry about Josh Hader. You know, there were some bumps in the road earlier in the year, but 15 strikeouts in nine innings, and he got a, a donuts for an ERA. So the ninth inning's good. But I, I don't know with the amount of wear and tear that they put on him the last few years, if they want him going out there for two innings a shot, if you got to make it through a three-week postseason. So you got to figure out where else it's coming from here. And they've got, they should have some legitimate concern about, like, after I, I assume Burns gets game one of the postseason here, you know, Woodruff has given up 22 hits and 10 earned runs in 22 innings in September. Peralta's given up 21 hits in 23 innings and 12 earned runs. They've both given up four jacks. It's, again, when the lights turn on, everything's different and everything can change. But I, I would just, I think the Brewers are starting to slow down a little bit. And that, that concerns me because I just kind of feel like they've gone into this thing with Woodruff at a, almost 180 innings pitched, Burns at 165, that's a lot coming out of a, a short 56-game sprint. Peralta's at 144, and he'd been mostly out of the bullpen in his career before this year. Hauser's at 137, and he's again, he and Lauer have been two of their better guys here down the home stretch. So, um, yeah, I... If I, if I were the Brewers, I would be watching that Philadelphia-Atlanta series the next couple nights, and I would be paying very close attention to what goes on because you've got a lineup that is getting it done just enough, but whether or not you know they can hit with Atlanta or Philly is a question. And if either one of those teams, Atlanta obviously with a three-and-a-half game lead is going to be able to massage their rotation more than Philly could, but you're going to go in. You're neither. Again, I, I said this last week. The National League East. I think that they wanted to miss the wild card so that they could have their number one starter in Game One without a question. You know, we talked about the whole idea of burning Cole or Sale or Barrios or Flexen in the wild card for the American League. If you're the Dodgers, I don't think you worry about it as much because you've got like eight billion dollars locked up in your pitching staff this year. But if, if you're the Brewers and you line up your guys and you've got them rested and ready to go, you got to look at an Atlanta or Philly team that is also going to have their number one starter for game one. They're going to have everything lined up and ready to go. And if you look at that lineup and you look at those pitchers and the way that they've been going down the stretch here, I think that Milwaukee should absolutely have some concern about chasing an NLCS berth again because it's tough. I mean, look. They've, got, they've been in the playoffs four straight years. They had gone four and I think, the rest of their franchise's history before the last, the previous four years. So this is, this is the golden age of Milwaukee Brewers baseball right now that we're watching. And they got to get over the hump at some point or they're going to go down with the Andrew McCutcheon Pirates and the last few years of the Minnesota Twins as teams that ran a weak division for four or five years and never, never got the hardware. I think that's got to be a real fear for the Brewers right now because Atlanta had to fight tooth and nail to get in and they're looking pretty good right now. And I would not want to, I wouldn't want to go. If I was Milwaukee, I wouldn't be thrilled about the prospect of drawing an Atlanta team that you look down and all of a sudden they're eight and two in their last 10. They've won their last four. 
And their run differential plus 122 is right there with Milwaukee's 126. Atlanta's going to roll into the playoffs hot, assuming they get in, which I feel pretty good about. Every other team in the National League East has a negative run differential now. Um, but Atlanta's going to roll in hot, feeling good about themselves, and Milwaukee's going to back in because they got out to a big lead and their division fell apart. I mean, Cincinnati had the golden ticket and they fell apart. Cubs are 1-9 in their last 10, and you got in Pittsburgh, 35 games back. Still looking for win number 60. <laughs> Fingers uh, crossed, baby. You know, Fingers fighting crossed. For that, you know, it's them and the Texas Rangers fighting for, uh, you know, top four, you know, pick three in the draft, it looks like, because you got Baltimore with 51, 51 in a hundo, and Arizona 50 and 107, bringing up the rear. 107 losses and the game's not over and the season's not over yet. Oh. Some other teams that need to do some rebranding. Oh. <laughs> worst, some moist teams. Hey, look, let's, the back- let's talk about Colorado being 47 and 33 at home and still being 31 games under 500, by the way. Um, but a lot of that has to do with who else is in that division before the Padres fell apart and then obviously Giants stopped. The but weather's beautiful but look, out there. So it I mean, the, Bra- the Braves are hot. The Braves are rolling. If they get in, I think Milwaukee's got their hands full. Well, and I think the Brewers have whoever to. Wins the West they got to win here, man. St. Louis. The Brewers got to. They got to. They they need some feel good stuff here. Finishing things out. They're the only team out of the teams that are left they here. Need, that are, they need to crack a couple of cold ones with Bob Uecker and get in and find a slump. Maybe they need to go turn the the uh, sprinklers on and get a rain out. <laughs> oh come on! They need to win these last the five. Stop the streak tonight against the Cards. Win. Take the last two out of this and then beat up on the Dodgers. And go in feeling good about themselves because other than that, they're just going to be, I don't know. Well, but that's again, the problem. You've know, you got, you got a Dodgers team that's got a lot, of pl- a lot to play for in those last three. It's good Dodgers, baseball. Dodgers you, have you, a division on the line. I know, but that's, but that's good for the Brewers. They've got to go in. they got to play playoff-style baseball before they start their playoff run here. Yeah, they got to feel good about themselves. they got to figure this out. I mean, the rest Finishing of the, teams... the year with a, the hottest team in baseball and the Dodgers – couldn't ask Which, for a better couple of matchups. Yeah, but you got to win them. You yeah, gotta do you, something. This is it. Got to have a little confidence. Take hold right of now, the flame. I don't, I don't. I don't know how much they need their swagger back, and they, they will have five games to find it here because Atlanta's got. I mean, their bullpen's got problems. Will Smith looked terrible last night, but got away with it. Um. But they did what they needed to do at the deadline. They were as aggressive in a buying fashion as anyone. More, even more than your Yankees. I mean, they brought in a whole new outfield. Uh, and the fact that Atlanta's doing this with Ronald Acuna Jr. on the shelf is really amazing. So shout out to Brian Snitker for another masterful job. They're only one game over 500 at home, though. That's kind of mind-boggling. But Atlanta, uh, Milwaukee would be a really fun series, especially, again, with the context of uh, the Braves were in Milwaukee until they moved, and Hank Aaron called those two teams home in mm-hmm. his career, and those two cities his home. Uh, so uh, the storylines there would be would be nice off the field, and I'm sure Fox or ESPN will milk the living crap out of it. But uh, but I, Milwaukee's got some concerns. Atlanta's streaking in. The Giants have a huge problem with belt on the shelf. The Dodgers are just trying to duct tape that thing together and get in. And nobody, I think, wants to be in the wild card game so they can avoid throwing their number one. 
or facing the can't lose for the sake of anything St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, I, I, I don't care if you're the Dodgers. I would be afraid of what the Cardinals are doing right now because they are as confident as anybody outside of the Bronx. And that's, that's good stuff. The Bronx, that is baby. This is why we do this for 27 straight weeks, Paul. Hey, buddy, I'm looking because at the schedule. get to the final week of the season, and we've still got drama. Absolutely. And I'm looking and at the schedule. And it's not front office execs of the Mets getting arrested. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this just said, Line Drive Radio is not changing their branding uh, going forward. Uh, we're very happy with what we've got here. Hey, look, pal, real quick. Um, w- I think we should let the fans know. I mean, uh, we might have to do a Monday show. With uh, I think I think, I think we, we should do that. I mean, everybody, everything will be wrapped up, ready to go this time next week. And um, I- I'm in a conundrum there because Tuesday night is the American League Wild Card game, right? Yeah, correct. Right now. This Palp- guy over here, this guy in New York, right? You're going to have a grabber? Well, hold, no, hold on a second. Look at the conundrum I'm in. Me and the wifey have two tickets to go see David Grohl at Town Hall in the city that night. And we're going. We're going to see the Grohlster, okay? He's, he's, on this, he's going on this day. Uh, he's, he's doing you've a five. The Yankees, you've seen the Yankees in the playoffs before. It's true. You'll be okay. I'll be all right. But I have a, 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 me and the wifey actually. This funny, you know, being in New York and the Yankees being in the playoffs so often during the course of not only my life but my marriage to my beautiful wife here. But we've actually had some really good luck when we've been in the city to see a show. Okay, and uh, many moons ago, uh, we were in the city to see a, a band called Simply Red, great vocalist Mick Hucknall, right? And we came out of that was the night. That Boone hit the home run against the Bo Sox. <laughs> wow. And we pulled over into... Uh, to, you talk about walking out into a city and not knowing what's going on around you and exactly. having it melt down. So I will be in the same... I'll be watching Dave Grohl next Tuesday night. Fingers crossed. And I'll have the phone. Even though I don't think we're allowed to have the phone. I'm going to have to... I, I might be in the situation next Tuesday because there's rumors around you can't have your phone. Can't take pictures. I might not even know how the Janks are doing. Till I get out of there. So that's what I'm looking at. But look, I just want to be in that situation where Tuesday night I'm going in the city to see Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters, the man himself, Nirvana, and my Yanks are hopefully in the wild card game. So that's that's my I, next I, week. I, I think you can feel good about it. I think you can feel good about it. So so but next yeah, Monday, you know, I, I we're going right. to I think we might need to line stuff up and crank out a pre playoff warm up edition before the wild card games on Monday and, and put pen to paper and get our formal predictions out of the way. We've prognosticated throughout the year. We certainly have. might be worth revisiting what we said in episode one. Yes. Uh, see what, see what we had on paper back then. Um, still feeling good about my white Sox pick. Uh, feel okay about the Dodgers being the big, bad Dodgers. Uh, feel real good that I said the Mets wouldn't get out of the wild card now. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, this, again, this is why the wild card is so good for the game. It's because we are in week 27 of Line Drive Radio. We are in week 26 of the regular season. We have six days of regular season left. And we have... A division, two divisions in the National League that are not clinched. 
And we have four teams fighting for two playoff spots in the American League. There's drama everywhere. There are big, big names and big teams involved. And when the playoffs get rolling, we're going to have a lot of fun to talk about really good baseball being played. The good news is, for all that we said about Milwaukee limping in and backing in, most of the other teams that are heading in here are playing pretty well. Absolutely. The White Sox have won their last three. They're six and four in their last ten. Houston's five and five in their last ten. Uh, Yankees, obviously, seven straight. Even though the Red Sox have lost their last four, they're still six and four in their last ten. The only team that's in a playoff spot right now in all of baseball that is under 500 in their last 10 is Milwaukee. So most of the teams are coming in feeling pretty good about themselves. Season's not over yet. We are not putting a bow on the regular season and getting ready for the final chapters in the playoffs, but these are exciting times for baseball fans, and we're totally here for it. Absolutely. And and on the hockey side – you know, we're also, with the baseball season and playoffs coming, we're excited about the hockey coming out. And, I, you know, I forgot to do this last week, but i got to say it now. Tab, let everybody know about the book that's coming out, man. I mean. Ah, well, your, uh, your, your, your friend and mine, uh, yours truly, Tab Bamford, uh, wrote a book uh, 10 years ago about the Chicago Blackhawks titled 100 Things Blackhawks Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die Forward by Jeremy that. J.R. And, uh wanted to revisit uh, the incredible history of the Chicago Blackhawks. And so uh, I partnered with Reedy Press, a phenomenal publisher, and uh, my new book, The Chicago Blackhawks, an illustrated timeline is officially, I believe, shipping already. It was supposed to be October 15th, but it's already out there in loving it, Jerry. Uh, So kind of a coffee table style book. Was very fortunate to be able to use the photo archives at the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, with an original six franchise going back almost 100 years, finding really great photos, really engaging stuff. Jim Cornelison, uh, the renowned anthem singer for the Chicago Blackhawks, wrote a really tremendous foreword for me for this one. Um, And it goes all the way up uh, to pretty much the end of last year. Uh, So you've got everything from uh, the first... uh, Game being played, again, 95 years ago, all the way up to, uh, you know, Patrick Kane getting 1,000 points and playing in 1,000 games and Brent Seabrook retiring unofficially and Corey Crawford walking away. So uh, it's available out there on Reedy Press. If you uh, Google my name or go look for me on Amazon or Reedy, R-E-E-D-Y Press, uh, you can find it out there. And uh, if you want a signed copy, hit me up on Twitter, and I'd be more than happy to work something out. Can I get a signed copy, Tab? Of course you can. Because in of addition, course. in addition to the Stanton Trophy uh, statue I'm building outside of the house, I'm also building a coffee table for your new book because I want to put it on the the new coffee table. I love it. I love it. I will definitely get you a signed copy. It will be in the mail this week. Ain't nothing better than Line Drive Radio here coming up here in the month of October. We got playoff baseball. It's getting a little chilly out there too. I want to talk well, about the good that news next... for the good news for fans of baseball and hockey with you being in New York and me being in Chicago is we don't have to waste our time talking about the NFL because all three of our options are an absolute pile <laughs> of manure. <laughs> oh man, National Mediocrity League, unbelievable! But yeah, we got some good stuff. I want to talk about that next week too. Is especially here, uh, you know, from the Midwest out to the East Coast. It's getting a little chilly. Pitchers, the batters, 
how they're feeling, how they play the game. You know me, I love the stance, I love the art of the game of baseball. And, you know, when it gets a little chilly, man, changes things, baby. But anyway, good stuff here as always. Thanks so much for listening to Line Drive Radio, for sharing and subscribing. Don't forget, follow us everywhere at Line Drive Radio. And follow me and Tab on the Twitter. Go to the at Line Drive Radio Twitter account, and you'll see me and Tab's personal accounts. Follow us on there. Because, you know, outside of baseball, we always have a lot of fun on Twitter. There's a lot of stuff going on out there. So with that said, we're going to turn the lights off here, turn the sprinklers on, lock the gates, and Tab, as always, say goodbye to the folks. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for an exciting final few days of the regular season. Get ready for playoff baseball. Make sure that the refrigerator is full of whatever you choose to partake in as the postseason gets going. And again, don't waste your time watching the Bears, the Giants, or the Jets. The New York football Giants, I should designate that. Stay healthy, my friends, and enjoy the games. Woohoo! And with that, Live Drive Radio is out. Play ball! Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.